This is Brad, and you're listening to the Agile Uprising podcast. We're celebrating the 12 days of Agile. So happy holidays, whichever holiday that you want to celebrate. Anyway, we're on day four. We're looking at daily business collaboration. This was a great one to listen back to. A little bit's changed in the last four years. And one of the big ones that we've noticed is, of course, COVID. Uh, the last two years have been particularly challenging for daily collaboration with uh, customers, with the business. And it's mainly because we've moved to an online model. Now, one of the things that I've always seen as a big challenge with collaboration is when we don't have that collaboration, what we end up getting is a whole bunch of waste. And it's waste of delay, it's waste of waiting, and it's waste of switching. When we focus on the customers and put them in the dead center and make sure that we maintain contact with them as we build, we tend to build better and we tend to build the right things and find those edge cases that we possibly wouldn't have considered as developers. As developers, we tend to be very happy path thinkers and users often have different ways to use things that we never even think is possible. Business collaboration daily is so important to getting the right things built. Anyway, enjoy yourself as you sit back and listen to Jay, Lef and the Scramando himself, James Gifford, talk through daily business collaboration. This is Sandy Martinley and you're listening to the Agile Uprising podcast. On the fourth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me Four calling boys Three French and two turtle doves And a partridge in a pear tree Greetings and welcome to another edition of the Agile Uprising podcast. You are listening to the 12 Days of Agile and today is day number four, Four Calling Birds. I'm Jay Hersko and with me are uh, my good friends here, James Gifford. Hello. And Andrew Leff. What's happening? All right, gentlemen. So we are going to be discussing the fourth Agile principle, which is titled Daily Business Collaboration. The principle reads that business people and developers must work together daily throughout the project. And this is one of the less wordy of principles. So, Mr. Gifford, I'm going to start with you. Why is this principle important? I mean, face-to-face communication is essential to, um, you know, the delivery of software. And if you're not collaborating daily uh, with that continuous feedback loop, then most likely you're going to end up uh, just doing little mini waterfalls. So, you know, being able to collaborate with your product owner throughout the the business cycle, being able to answer questions, um, it just makes the team also more efficient. So it has efficiency things. It also relates to potentially the quality of the, the potentially shippable increment. If we're talking about scrum that, uh, happens at the end of that sprint. What are your thoughts, Andrew? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the, I think there's a, a definite divide when you're talking business and, and it per se, um, that, it would be ideal to break those silos down and, and truly have the, the business working directly or embedded directly within the teams. Um, so the, the entire team owns the product, not, not just the business. So if we were to walk through this, this principle all, almost word by word, right? So the first start of it is business people. So, Granted, this is the, the manifesto and the principles are almost 20 years old. Do, you, do either of you think that maybe business people in lieu of what Agile has become should be replaced with another term? And if so, what? 
uh james um i mean ideally it's i mean if you're looking at at the world of agile today it's been replaced with product owner um but i mean ideally it we should be talking about customers we should be talking to customers daily instead of just the business now by customers could you also mean end users of the system we're creating or yeah, is it I truly mean, a customer? No, I, I, I totally go with customer. And when I teach anything, when I'm coaching, I'm talking about let's find who the customer is for your product, whether it's an internal product, it's a client facing, like a customer facing product. If, if you're always keeping that mind of, of uh, you're serving a person or a persona, um, then you're you're always focused on you're you're putting yourself in the shoes of the the people that you're trying to deliver something for. So, I no longer talk about business. I just talk about a customer or personas that we're we're trying to emulate. So, if I can get the voice of those personas um, daily working with the development team, that's the best spot I can be in, in my opinion. What are your thoughts, Andrew? Would you would you agree that we should replace business people with customers, or is there an even better option? Um, <clears throat> I think that it's – I don't know if I'd say replace. I almost think to incorporate them differently, and, and it almost seems that in some abstract way we've taken product owners and just repurposed what a business analyst does. So literally the product owner should – just be focused on the backlog for the team and the team should be interacting with business, whether that is the customer or whether that is internal stakeholders, whomever is the deemed the definition for business. Um, That's sort of my take, take on that. So to me, it's defining what business is, what business means is, is that the customer? Is that the end user? Or, you know, as James put it, should we just be solely focused on personas and the user experience or the user journey and, and attack the business problem that way? So let me ask both of you this. Does the, does the term customer or business change if we're talking about agile outside of IT? I, I really don't think so because I, you can define what the work product is and, and, and what you're servicing a, a group of people with. We, right before I changed uh, gigs, Uh, We were working with an internal audit group and there were a definite defined set of customers that that audit group, while we were going through and doing agile uh, with audits, we definitely had a customer set and it was the group or groups of people that were involved in that audit from the areas that they were at. And there was a definite product or uh, relationship or persona that you could create around um, either the auditor or the financial institution or the regulatory body um, and, and kind of take it at that approach. So we had the value of, of how to organize and prioritize audit findings so that we were remediating the most risky to the business or the most damaging to the reputation uh, first. And so instead of doing 120 days to do an audit you could do it in 60 days and have it completely remediated because we put the customer first and we were able to collaborate with them daily 
to get those audit artifacts remediated instantaneously almost. But Interesting. In your scenario, James, it seems like you, you were able to define what problem you were trying to solve. So do you think that that was a key component to that? Uh, yeah, I mean, being able to find the problem space, I mean, we, we've wrecked it like the first three times we tried it um, because we tried to keep going back to like, well, what's the business want? What's this one? And it's like, no, like for us to prioritize this stuff, for us to be doing the most important thing for the audit, for the company, for the groups we're trying to protect or trying to ensure that they're acting in compliance, we had to put them dead center into the whole entire thought process. And until we did that, we, we really struggled with it. So, so it's a it's an interesting point because when you don't understand what the customer wants or why you're even doing this work, it makes it very difficult to prioritize it, right? So when you when you look at it as, you know, why are we even bothering with this? What value is it adding? It seems that our, you know, and I'm air quoting the business side of the house may not be able to understand or may not be able to articulate what that is. So that's why I struggle when we, we say business people, because are they truly looking at it from a business perspective or have they, are they so ingrained in their corporate strat, you know, corporate mindset that they're just looking to deliver something? Interesting. Interesting points, guys. Interesting points. Um, Moving along to the next term used in the in the uh, principle, developers, business people, and developers. So, based upon our, our preceding couple minutes, it sounds like we would replace business people with customers. So, customers and blank should it still be developers? Should it be the delivery team? Should it even be something um, as almost in, in in inflammatory as project team? What are your thoughts? And I'm going to start with Andrew. Yeah, so I tend to think more around team, um, product team, or just team for that matter, and break down. It's always interesting when you when you go in and coach newer teams that they still have their developer QA hats, and and they don't blur the line. So if you strip the title away and truly just focus on delivery. And everyone's a part of that delivery. You you have less to to hide behind saying that's not my job. That's your job. I just test it or I just code it. Well, we should know how to do both. James, and and I'm gonna I would agree with Andrew. I mean, I, when I'm teaching business agility, I'm shooting for getting an organization to focus on a cross functional team of individuals that are going to be able to get a set of of skills or get a set of uh, goals accomplished or, or outcomes for a customer, whether it's a group of, you know, having a marketer there, somebody from legal, um, those a campaign management that may be managing those marketing campaigns. Like I, I want that core group of a cross-functional team. I don't, I don't care whether it's development. Um, you know, we're, we're 16 years away from snowbird and, and agile's definitely evolved and the push to moving this outside of IT into other organizations. Um, I, I definitely think it's it's the team. I wish I could go back to the episode we just did on the Scrum Guide review and uh, and look up what that was and what they've kind of, re- they've genericized it to. 
I actually agree with both of you, and for, for all the reasons that you laid out, I think um, if you look at when when Snowbird was and when this was originally authored, the term developer makes sense because these were these were gentlemen getting together to try and advance the way that we deliver software. But now Agile is almost uh, not almost, but has eclipsed that and moved into something bigger and better. Even uh, to your point, uh, James, outside of IT, so developer is is no longer a no longer a valid statement. It really should be the team uh, when we look at where Agile is sitting nowadays. So if we're if we're looking at this, if we're looking at this principle, we go back to the customers and the team must work together daily throughout the project. Um, any thoughts on that last section of that statement? Would you replace the word daily? Uh, would you replace the word project, or do both those still hold water in light of in light of how agile treat, um, teaches how new ways to do uh, budgeting and funding? And do we get rid of projects? Do we go to programs? Uh, James, I'm going to start with you because I know you're a big uh, value stream container guy. So I'm going to start with you on what your thoughts are. Hmm. Well, I, I abandoned the word value stream container since Dean took it over with safe 4.0. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I forgot that. <laughs> so, so I, I've abandoned the name, and but essentially, I I get hung up on on projects just because of the definition of what a project actually means. Um, but it does make a convenient. It does it lend to a convenient funding bucket. Um, we're, we've been trying to change the culture um, to focus on funding releases or funding outcomes uh, of software. Um, so I I don't necessarily, I think project's okay. We're, we're a couple years, couple decades away from ever totally abandoning the word project in, in our industry. So I'll leave that one alone, but I still think that they need to collaborate daily. And I think that kind of brings us into some of our challenges that we should probably drag up here is, you know, some of the, you know, when we're working with distributed or remote teams, how do we maintain those types of daily interactions? Right, right. And we, and I know we've done, a, on a, I don't know if it was a, an episode before this principle or after where we talk about distributed teams and how, um, the idea of daily collaboration gets more and more painful as people become more and more distributed. And it really could be a, a struggle for a lot of teams to try and collaborate with that high fidelity type of communication that we need. Uh, Andrew, what are your thoughts? Um, <clears throat> I, I tend to, to agree with what you guys are, are saying. You know, to me, it's, I don't like the term project just because it carries sort of an old, old connotation around, you know, projects and different ways, you know, that just brings me back to my PM days. So um, to me, it's, you know, whether it's product or program or uh, just stuff, let's just call it stuff. We're delivering stuff and we're associating a value to that stuff that's being delivered. I, I concur. I think the word project, uh, not only is it an anachronism, an anachronism, and it could easily um, lead one down the path of waterfall thinking. It just has so many, there's so many connotations when you use the word project. People automatically slip into that traditional heavy SDLC, PMO, waterfall type thing that I think, I think it's just one of those words that if you 
try and get away from using it. You just lend to better conversation and better outcomes because you're not – you don't walk in with that preconceived notion that everybody has differently around the term uh, around the term project itself. So in you guys' travels, and both of you have, have been around the world and back again when it comes to experiences with different levels of agility inside organizations, uh, can you think of an example or, or give the listeners an example where a team or an organization you were working with sort of put this – principle off to the back burner or they sort of forgot about it and what was the actual result <laughs> i i think every every team i've worked with that's that's why they hired a coach <clears throat> excuse me um has failed with this so to me it, it's been it's been going in and trying to demystify that you can't sell agile so you, you truly need to work as a, a cohesive organization, understand what you're delivering before you just claim victory around being agile so or doing agile. And do they fail, Andrew, because they don't speak to the quote unquote business? Do they fail because they prize the, the, the scrum master guide or the scrum handbook? more than anything else and they just forget about it? Or is it something where they're not empowered to speak to the business? What did you, if you had to sum it up, what did you think, what would you see your observations are? What seems to be the common thread? I think it's a little bit of everything you just said, but one of the most common themes that I encounter is around the business, not almost, almost not being subject matter experts or not understanding their business. They just carry a title, you know, Hey, uh, uh, project manager, you're now a product owner. So now you need to go get all this information that you truly may have not done before and may not be equipped to do or understand how to do, but you need to gather all this stuff now and it's all new. So go figure it out. And it's more of a task than it is understanding how to, to define what we're going to do next or how to guide the team and making sure that they're working on the most important things and make it clear. James, does this jive with some of your experiences? For the, I mean, for the most part, I think that a lot of organizations fall down on this. I mean, I've only seen, you know, in, in all my time of, of doing coaching it, I've only seen maybe three teams in my life actually ever do this really successfully and one of them was when we had switched to customer journeys um, as a basically a essentially creating a, a self-contained um, product within an organization. Um, it And it was around um, collections and this team, like the people that were in there as that were working as a, as the product owner and the chief product owner, they had rattled around in the business. They spent some time in IT. They found their way back into the business. So they had an understanding of what the strategies for collections were. They had an understanding of some domain stuff. They had worked with teams. Uh, and, and they generally had a general, um, I mean, these two individuals were pretty extroverted. So they're the people that's going to talk to you no matter what, whether you want to talk to them or not, they're going to talk to you. And it was the right chemistry of people and the right blend of knowledge and the fact that they were focused on particular outcomes and they were trying to measure them and, and get better and 
continue the funding cycle because for them to keep spending money, they had to keep proving out that their hypotheses or experiments were right. And if they weren't, we sent them back to the drawing board to go refigure it or we moved on to the next most valuable thing. And until we start, until we stopped talking about projects and we just said, you have $6 million that funds five teams, get your backlog together and go and just keep delivering the most valuable thing. And if we find you're wrong, you're wrong. Well, let's move on. Or if we really need this, let's think about where we went wrong and, and try something new. Um, and that was stripping away all the boundaries, all the barriers, and putting the people in there with the right chemistry to just rock and roll. So let me ask you this, um, and this goes to both of you, is uh, Andrew talked about how sometimes you have the business not being SMEs. You know, they were jamming to a product on a roll. Uh, James, and you just talked about a, a PO that's extroverted and has done time in different departments, and that helped enable their successes. Do you think an ex, uh, being extroverted is a key to success when it comes to the product owner role? I don't think it's necessarily – it needs to be there 100% for a success factor, but I've definitely found people that were in that – like at the, at the higher end of that introverted perspective where they borderline between um, – borderline between the two personality types, um, be successful, but generally an, a more outgoing person, more extroverted person will seek that communication because they need it. They, they hunger for it. You're fueled by it. What do you think, Andrew? Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I've, I've seen different personality types succeed in the role, I think when you when you break the word product owner down, <laughs> they own the product. Whoever that is, they need to own the product. So I think that that is that should be the focus. And whatever they need to do to ensure they're owning the product and making sure that that is happening, I think their personality needs to either evolve or support or complement that just what the title encompasses. Interesting. Interesting. Thank you guys. So my next question I have. So if we were, if we were going to challenge our listeners, right. To keep this principle in the front of their minds and to use this more principle more effectively in your day-to-day lives uh, of what you do on an agile team, striving to deliver value, uh, how would you do it? What type of challenge, what type of gauntlet would you throw down to say, um, in regards to this principle, to, to say to, the, to a, a listener or to someone who's interested, hey, you need to make sure that you do this every day. And I would do this by, I challenge you by what? How would you throw down a type of challenge? James, starting with you. Um, I, I'm going to go to the ridiculous 100, 100 push-up challenge. Um and and challenge my my product owner my person in this role the people trying to apply this principle to just find out do one interaction a day for a week like trying trying to deliberately make one interaction a day that you necessarily wouldn't have made and then the next the next week keep amplifying that until you have that muscle memory where it becomes commonplace that you're you're actually collaborating and working together 
and having the, those kind of conversations. So I would, I would challenge you to build habits and patterns around deliberate communications with your people daily. What do you think, Andrew? I'd rather just do the hundred push-up challenge. Seems more enjoyable. Well, we know with the guns you got, buddy. <laughs> Maybe we can make it a five hundred push-up challenge. Um, no, I, I would agree. I think I think the whole concept around experimentation is is something that's important, and and truly running those, you know, going back to doing just a simple scientific experiment where literally you're creating that hypothesis, whatever it might be. So, and your, your, your assumptions are the outcomes of what you believe hypothesis is going to create. So I, I encourage whether it's the product owner or the team to start doing those experiments but in a much more scientific way. So it's not just, Hey, we're going to try and do this. And we, you know, we're not really sure what it's going to result as let's, let's create something and give it some, Hey, the outcomes we believe will be this and then retrospect on it and figure out what worked and what didn't. So let me ask you this uh, for both of you guys. If, if teams are walking away from this and saying, okay, we communicate the, the, customer and the team we uh collaborate daily once a day is that enough for success i'll give you the ad i'll give you the agile answer it depends is once a day enough (laughs) maybe does it need to be more to me it's you know it goes back to the the premise of self-organizing teams does the team need more do they need less let them figure it out why do I need, you know, why does the organization need to tell them how many times a day they need to meet? If the goal is to deliver and if the goal is to define what needs to be delivered, they need to, that's the focus. They need to spend as much time as they need to and as many times a day as they need to, to ensure that that's happening. Hmm. James, agree or disagree? I mean, I, I we have some offshore teams that are being really successful and the only interaction with the product owner that they get on a daily basis is a clip champ video that's a it's a plug in for Slack. Um, and we were the product owner, the chief product owner onshore records a video message and posts it to the team Slack channel. And that's how they get a lot of their interactions with the, the product owner is exchanging uh, clip champ video messages. <laughs> So it, <laughs> right right now it's it's working. It, for us to take that team to the next level, we'll probably have to figure out live video streaming. But the time difference is redonkulous. So so you do have you have success with that. Yeah, yeah, we do. But they also everybody's focused on an outcome. That we're not. I don't have to give you necessarily a story. We're we're giving them an outcome and trusting the team to come up with the right solution to solve that problem. So, you know, when it's little, when your video messages are more about steering and feedback on what the team potentially put together the night before, or um, whether it's paper comps, some quick dirty mock-up, like it, it's it's been pretty successful because the development team is taking a lot of pride in their work. Um, and they're being trusted to solve the problem. That's pretty wild because it does, it, that ties a lot of the principles together. The whole, 
uh, keep it simple, work in the software, uh, support and trust motivated team. Uh, that's that's really, really fascinating. I wonder if anybody else, I challenge any of our listeners, if you have a story like this, please hop into the coalition in the comments and let us know. Um, that's pretty neat. Uh, so I guess we're gonna, we're quickly approaching time. So we're gonna take this one full circle and wrap it up. So if we were going to redo the actual Christmas Carol and change four calling birds, what, and I, and I know this is, we've done this every episode so far, I know this is not a new question. What would we change for calling birds to? Uh, and I'm gonna say I'm gonna start with Andrew. Oh man, I knew you were gonna do this. I have sucked at this the whole time we've been doing this. So, <laughs> you know, to me, it's it's. I, I don't even know for. Man, for this is a tough one. Yeah, I, I got nothing, guys. I, I am completely out of creative juice. <laughs> James, any chance you can <laughs> rescue rescue success? We're gonna go with four calling customers. Uh, the easy one, but it works. Four calling customers. We we should all uh, when these are all done. Uh, write down what the results are for every episode and then go into a sound studio and record this for next year. Um, I can't shuttled. sing, Jay. No, but that makes it even better. We'll skyrocket to the top of iTunes. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, <laughs> guys, I want to thank you both very, very much. Um, to our listeners, I hope you really enjoyed this series. It's been a lot of fun for us to record these. I hope you stick around and listen to all 12. Once again, if you enjoy what you're hearing, please leave us a review on iCast, uh, in iTunes, Stitcher, uh, podcast, any of your podcast apps of choice, uh, positive reviews, or even any reviews of nature. Help us uh, be exposed to other listeners who may be looking for something agile-related. Uh, we also invite you to join the conversation on the coalition, coalition.agileuprising.com. Uh, sign up. Uh, it's free. It's open. There's a lot of practitioners there. And you may you may stick around and get some good learning along with some solid conversation. And last but not least, we have created a Patreon account, uh, patreon.com forward slash Agile Uprising. So if you like what you hear and you want to contribute, again, this is all funded out of our pockets and we just want to keep the goodness going. We're running this as an experiment just to see how things end up. So if you do like what you hear, feel free to contribute. Once again, on behalf of uh, the listeners, I want to thank you, Andrew and James, for your time. And on behalf of Andrew, James, and myself, I want to thank all of you listeners. Hope you enjoyed. And until next time.